0: Save your seat now at com. That's com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you
1: at the masterclass. I wanna be a philanthropist. I wanna make enough money in this world that I can solve problems without bureaucracy or paperwork, you know? And that is the ultimate goal. And I don't care how I get there. I can get there by selling apple pies. I can get there by selling books.
0: Do you need a fresh start? Are you feeling stuck, unfulfilled, confused, or overwhelmed? My guest today has been there. She once rocked the corporate world as a top-selling exec, but boldly left that six-figure job in front of 10,000 people when she decided to use her expertise to monetize her passion. Within a year, she had channeled that expertise into crafting a million-dollar enterprise. And now she is on a mission to show you how to live boldly and rediscover your purpose too. Nicole Walters is also a mom to three adopted kids, newly engaged to a wonderful man, and passionate about sharing her story of starting over. She teaches everyday entrepreneurs how to increase their income and monetize their life and she finally feels like she's living out her purpose. Get ready to be inspired, empowered and educated by Nicole's words of wisdom in today's episode. Before you know it you will be running to purchase her brand new book Nothing is Missing: A Memoir of Living Boldly. It is time to welcome Nicole Walters to the Gold Digger Podcast. You know what time it is. Sweater weather, football season, Q4. It's the home stretch, gold diggers, and it's time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue. To bring in more business this Q4 and beyond, you need sales software that helps you score. And the top tools are all inside the new HubSpot Sales Hub, with a customizable prospecting workspace, smart deal management suite, and AI powered apps. You can take total control of your sales operation and manage your people. And and pipeline with ease. The AI powered chat spot speeds up your day-to-day tasks with simple chat solutions while AI assistant cranks out copy outlines and out of the box ideas. They're cleverly designed to accelerate your workflow and baked right inside of your CRM. When you pair sales hub with other hubs and HubSpot smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to the same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com sales. So there are these people in your life where you are like orbiting in different spaces, but you're waiting. You're just waiting for the moment that you get to align. And so today feels very special because my guest today is someone that I have watched, admired, seen, experienced from afar. And all of a sudden we get on today and it's like we've known each other for a decade. Nicole Walters, it is about time you showed up on the Gold Digger podcast
1: look, it is about time, but it's the right time. Timing is is. everything. And I'm just so grateful that we're finally mushed together. It's a good thing.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know you, you are a founder, you're a CEO, you're a podcaster, you are an author, you are all of these things, but you weren't always these titles. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory, how you got to where you are
1: today and where it is that you are? So I know that so many people come on here and they're talking about here's what I built and here's what I did and all that jazz. But the truth is, I'm a very regular person. You know, I've had many a night of crying in a Target parking lot, eating excessive amounts of cheese. You know, and I'd like to say that's where I started and that is very much where I still am. <laughs> you know, but but in between all of that, you know, I grew up without much. You know, just a poor kid in Washington D.C. and My parents are both immigrants from Ghana, West Africa, who did everything to come to this country and do it the right way and follow the rules and all that. But we were still poor. And I grew up knowing that there was just a gap. You know, that I wanted to fill and I did it the right way. You know, I went to corporate, followed the rules, did all that. And eventually I was like, this ain't it. You know, I quit my six figure job and I did it live online in front of ten thousand people and launched my consulting business, which grew to a multi-million dollar company within about a year and change. And in between all of that, I adopted three girls, launched a book, had a TV show on a major cable network, and life has life. But here I am today doing all the same things. And I'm really grateful.
0: Okay, we can't graze over the fact that you quit (laughs) your job live on the Internet. This was the Periscope days, right? It was. Yes. And so how did you land to that decision that one, you were going to quit? But two, you were going to live stream it. We have to talk about this because so many people are like, wait, what? Okay, walk us through that.
1: So what's nuts about it was, honestly, it wasn't. Because live streaming was new. It wasn't like it was like a marketing thing that I think a lot of people think of. The best thing about my marketing is the fact that it really is me using social media to be social. I've never varied away from the authentic use of social. And that's what it was. I'd been documenting before I decided to quit my journey into entrepreneurship, but I was doing it via live, very organically. Like, Hey, y'all, I am standing in my bathtub with a bed sheet taped to the back of my bathtub and, you know, my phone taped to, you know, a broom because I don't have a tripod to film the opening sequence to my course. You know what I yes. mean? Like it was really bootstrapping and showing people how I was starting with what I had where I was. And in showing that journey, people were like, this is amazing. But like, you know, you're making money. You've had huge launches. Like, why are you still incorporating? And I was like, you know what? You're right like i'm gonna quit and then everyone was like well you've been sharing your journey share that too so i called my boss up quit my job and i haven't looked back that was over a decade ago now
0: okay so I remember writing my two weeks notice letter and I had my mom proofread it because I mean, of course, as an adult, you still need your mom to read things like that. So the fact that you had the gumption to do it and do it live, I feel like people really did feel super invested in your journey. So talk to me about that pivot out of corporate. And into entrepreneurship, what did it look like? What was your plan? Did you have a plan? Like, how
1: did that all kind of pan out? Well, one of the things that's great about that pivot to begin with was that I... Was I am still just doing the job that I was doing in corporate, so I think for a okay. lot of people, they maybe you know as they start building a business around whatever their gifting is they're stepping into something that can feel totally new. but yes. I scaled businesses from two million to two hundred million. I worked in fortune five hundred I was a consultant, so for me to just switch my demographic from being large scale, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, which is essentially what a corporation is, you know, to working with everyday entrepreneurs. It wasn't that much of a leap in terms of the knowledge part. Oh, but girl, the feels, the feels. Okay. (laughs) I'm telling you, for me, it was all about making sure I was going to be the best boss I ever had. So that meant I needed to prepare a place for me to go. So I made sure I had money in the bank, I made sure that I had a product that I knew was effective, all the things I would do for a corporation I did for myself. Yeah. And I made sure that from day one, I would always be able to cut myself an appropriate paycheck and never have to work for free. And I'm really grateful to say that, you know, as a testament to my business that started debt-free without loans, $24 in the bank, that I built a business debt-free and have always paid myself. And that is probably one of my biggest pride points, you know, is that I was able oh. to do that.
0: I love that. Oh my gosh. So one thing that I love about you is that you tell the story behind the story, right? Because it would be easy to wrap this conversation up right here and be like, and it all worked out and we all lived happily after. In
1: conclusion.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. And it's not, it's not like you have had so many things happen in the middle. Share your story about the girls and how they came into your life and what that looked like because you experienced so many shifts and, things when people talk about like overnight success we I like to look at the decade right yeah and in this last decade You have had so many transitions and pivots and turns and twists and good and bad and highs and lows. Talk to me about the girls, because this part of the story, I think, is just something we have to hit on.
1: Yes, thanks. So I know so many people will look at my story or hear it and say, oh, yeah, you know, she must be 25 with no responsibilities, never has to wear Spanx, perfect skin, you know. And I will tell you the skin part's true, but I do have to wear (laughs) Spanx. Like, I am human, you know. So realistically, what happened was... Part of why I had to quit my job was I had just adopted three girls and they came into my life when I was driving down the street in uh, Baltimore where I lived at the time. And I saw their mother panhandling on the side of the street and she was with a, at the time, just turned three year old girl. And, you know, I pulled over to see what they need to get them some food, you know, do all those things. And she told me she had two more at home. And, you know, I met these three incredible girls, ages three, 11 and 14. And I wanted to be there to support them. I wanted to be there to help the way that I help people now in business. You know, what can I do? So I was mentoring, I was helping with school, I was providing meals. But then after a month's time, their mother said that she was going to be incarcerated for substance issues. And so I obviously I think any mom listening now, any one with the mommy chip, even, you know, the aunties are like, what happened to the girls, you know, and that was what I said. And she said, well, I don't want the state to take them. And, you know, maybe they could stay with my boyfriend. And I was like, ah, you know what? I can help still, you know, let me, let me see what I can do. So I was 28. I took custody of these three girls and, you know, realized very quickly that I was going to have one in kindergarten in three years two in college within four years. I needed to make sure I we nailed potty training, filled all developmental steps, handled prom, driver's license. And I had about five years to get it all done. Plus, I needed a bigger house stat. You know? And yeah. I just didn't have the hours or the time to commit to corporate anymore. I, I knew that I needed my time back and I needed to make more money. And that meant working for myself. So that was the why behind the what. Mm.
0: okay i can't as a mom i can't even imagine jumping into such different stages of life for females and like what we all experience that is like the gamut, like you like got put through the ringer in a beautiful way, because there's so many different needs and desires and emotions and hormones and Mm -hmm. all of these things. So I just can only imagine it's like literally a crash course in parenting at every developmental stage possible.
1: Yes. And also, I mean, I'm raising myself, you know, I think that it's so easy, you know, as I'm approaching my 40s to look back and be like, gosh, I was so young you know like and it's weird because when you feel when you're like 28 26 you feel grown like you really do because the world is calling you to act like an adult and show up like an adult in a way that's unfamiliar but the reality is you know i don't even know if at 40 i'm an adult you know what i mean like i still am confused the kids look at me like what's for dinner and i'm like i don't know like and then i remember i'm the one who's responsible you know so it's like you know like so Uh... i i get it you know but I guess that's also one of the beautiful things about that stage is that's the time to be bold. That's the time to take risks. That's the time to see what happens because you've got recovery time in your 30s. And, uh, you know, I try to do the next right thing with my girls. That was what it was all about. And they've been more of a blessing to my life. You know, now they are 12, 21 and 24, you know, and I'm not even 40 yet. And I've been able to raise these girls through these stages. And it's just the greatest greatest gift you know so i'm i'm thankful you know i'm really thankful
0: you know it's funny i love how you talk about how you feel so grown up i i feel that all the time and then all of a sudden i'll like look behind me and i'm like there's car seats there's a stroller like who's responsible for these children
1: yes how did that like sometimes i look at my kids i'm like you really think like I'm supposed to keep you alive. Yeah. You have no idea. i I barely give myself yeah. life. Like <laughs> I can't keep a plant alive. Right? And here right. you are looking at me, uh, trusting me to have food in the fridge every day. Right? Like, right. and then you remember, like, oh, that naivete is really important for you to like live and do things. Absolutely. You know, so like, uh, do take those risks while you're young and stupid. Like quitting your job live online and burning all the bridges behind yes. you. You know, because you'll recover and you won't know any better. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I know. My sister came over the other
0: night, and we do like brain quest while we eat meals and i was packing a lunch and she's like
1: oh you are a mom right now and i was mom, like mom. yeah 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 i get it yes no i was gonna say it's so interesting with siblings because they are such a reflection you know back to you because like with the two of you you're always sort of that youthful sibling dynamic yes but then they'll be like why do you have cheetos in your bag and i'm like it's a snack for the child you know what i mean and they're just like oh right oh. you know it's this weird dynamic yes. you know yes one saying that i've adopted
0: especially after writing a book which we're going to talk about for you is here's what i know so far and i think that this mm. guides us into a beautiful part of the conversation because as we said you're naive you think you know it all you start to do these things and writing a book can feel so intimidating because You are writing down, here's what I know so far. And I think that at this stage of our games, we have both realized, like, we don't know it all and we're going to change and evolve. And that's beautiful. But talk to me a little bit about the process, the feelings, everything behind Nothing is Missing Your Memoir of Living Boldly. Talk to me about that.
1: So I think that the first part is, you know, obviously both of us have shared online pretty transparently, that a lot happens behind the scenes. yeah. And I think that's what makes us so similar and also so different from others is that we do share that glimpse of our life. And I don't begrudge people who don't want to openly share their families or don't want to openly share if they're going on a health journey or whatever else, because we all have our own comfort levels, right? But there is something to be said, you know, for demystifying the actual lifestyle of entrepreneurship. And I think that's the part that people are are missing. You know, if you have access and a glimpse into the lifestyle and not just the outcome, it really can help you on that journey. And that's what happened with nothing is missing. I, you know, over those years also had to deal with my 17 year old at the time being diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, you know, she's fine now, but we went through that journey. My eldest one uh, ran into her own substance abuse issues and now she's a year sober, you know, but like, I had to manage all of that while managing a business. And Trying to manage my own health, you know? And so I get, you know, this opportunity to write a proposal for a book. And I'm like, obviously it's a business book, right? Like, let me I know that, like the back of my head, you know, right, exactly, right? This should be a piece of cake. Yeah. But then you have this sort of, you sit down, you get started, and you have a a reckoning where you have to really say, if I'm leaving this thing that's going to be my legacy, that my kids are going to look at and say, This is what my mom was about how honest am I being, you know, with myself and everyone else about what it really takes to show up in this world, you know, as a person who, you know, quote unquote, balances it all, you know, and around that same questioning of myself, I went through a divorce, you know, and it was like right post pandemic. And I was just getting into this process. And I was like, oh boy, you know, I don't want to do anything. I, you know, this is unexpected. I didn't, you know, all of this, like my heart's broken, you know, and I've got to manage these babies. And that was when I said, you know, it's not even responsible for me to tell people to aspire to the life I have without telling them what it cost me and what I've learned so far. Wow. So that's what nothing is missing about is recognizing, you know, there is an expense to choosing a certain life but can it be worth it? Can it be fruitful? And can you learn how to treat yourself with grace? Yeah.
0: If you love the Gold Digger podcast, you've probably heard me talk about my best friend, Amy Porterfield. Did you know that she has her own marketing podcast too? It's actually the first podcast I ever listened to. Online Marketing Made Easy is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Every episode focuses on giving you the best strategies for online business owners, including starting a digital course, growing your email list, social media content creation, and hosting webinars. Amy is the best at breaking down big ideas and strategies into actionable step-by-step processes. And her show is designed to get you more results with a whole lot less stress. Tune in to Online Marketing Made Easy wherever you get your podcasts. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of 100 dollars or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of 100 dollars or more. What was like some of the lessons you learned in the writing process? Because every single author that I speak with has this, you know, this message and this mission. And that's the only reason why anyone would ever write a book is if that message and mission were strong enough. And yet in the writing process, as it unfolds, I feel like God, the universe, everything is aligning to make sure like, are you sure about this lesson? Are you sure? What were some of those things that you learned through the writing process of your memoir?
1: I think the biggest one is granting myself some grace, Mm. you know, and it was something that just kept coming up because one of the things that happens when you're writing a memoir versus a business book is it's like you're being called to walk into the rooms of the toughest moments of your life. You know, you get to also experience some of the joyous moments again, but the toughest moments, but you have to not get lost in those moments. So I can't emotionally go all the way there, but I also have to describe them vividly enough that I can bring other people in with me to understand and you have to extract the lessons and any applicable tools. So it's it's really really difficult, but what I found was in order for me to get through that journey, I had you know, God, a therapist and friends, you know, but I also had to really give myself grace. I mean, there were so many rooms I walked into from growing up as, you know, the child of immigrants trying to figure it all out in Washington, D.C. and seeing myself suffer without meals and, you know, struggle with sleeping on a couch until I was 12, you know, all the way to looking at some elements of my divorce and seeing how I was showing up in my marriage and what the outcome was of that, you know, and really saying to myself, I empathize with that girl, you know, or that woman, you know, who was in that moment. And I realized that I should have been granting myself grace as I went along. So my book is very grace infused. So that whenever, wherever people are, they can find a little bit of ease, you know, as they're going through the difficult things.
0: I love, Nicole, that you're talking about what people don't see right because like you and i we, we we are open books like literally we are very open books about every facet of our lives somebody literally messaged me
1: today and was like what size bra do you wear and i just messaged back you know oh yeah me too i say the same thing yeah. because they're like looking at an outfit like and yes. as a girlfriend we get yes. it you know what i yes. mean it's like, a thing I you know
0: it. i shall yep. tell you and yep. Yep. there are so many benefits to that because i think people do get to see more of the picture but i want to kind of go deeper on what you you're talking about about like what you lose and what is the cost of entrepreneurship and dream chasing and pivoting and trying all these things. What are some things that you think most entrepreneurs that are aspiring entrepreneurs don't even consider when they are starting a business or with this big dream of what their life is going to turn into?
1: I think the number one thing that people don't realize is that you discover for the first time your limit at burnout when you hit burnout. Yes, and as much as everyone can tell you and point out the different signposts and say, "Hey, you know, ease up, this is that you know part of i and I hate to say it, but doing entrepreneurship well the first time around is that you kind of push yourself, you know it's you know, how do I know what my max is and it's this hardwiring of being excited and driven and this newness and this ambition and this drive and You don't even realize you're doing it until you get there, you know, and what I've learned is that same knowledge once you have it of, oh, I went too far, you know, starts showing up in other places, you know, where you're able to say, oh, you know, this was an event that I shouldn't have missed. You know, this was a friend that I needed to follow up with. That was an opportunity I should have gone to, you know, and and if you're smart and you're paying attention to the feeling that you get, it's a similar feeling throughout this, the journey of life. Yeah. And you start learning. That is how you learn to prioritize, you know? So it's like when I knew what burnout felt like within my business, it was easier for me to identify it in my personal life. Like, oh, this marriage is burning me out. You know what I mean? Like this, this form of parenting is burning me out, you know? And then I was like, I kind of know what I need to do to get back, but that was like probably the biggest thing that I've learned along the way that I wish people knew that it's not something that you can buy our easy hack to figure out your non-burnout systemization and automation, whatever, like not real life. You're going to burn out. But once you know better, you got to do better. I love that. I actually have a part in my book where I talk about, I was like at this conference
0: and literally every speaker went up and their story was about how they hit, burnout and Mm -hmm. i had this moment of like is that a requirement like is that a requirement and at some point i do think it is because you know nowadays everything is so polarizing right and it's like that hustle culture versus the manifestation side of things and i feel like those are two different camps specifically for women entrepreneurs And I think that there is such a beautiful blend that can happen. I think the hustle is required to get the dream off the ground. But at some point you have to start envisioning what success feels like for you, right? Because I think the hustle side is that masculine energy that so many of us start with that gusto of like, I remember sleeping with my camera on my nightstand. Like I loved it so much (laughs) that I was like, I'm going to shoot any time of day so I can learn this. And Mm -hmm. it's just that really interesting dichotomy of like, okay, I love how you talk about sometimes you do got to hit it to get the breakthrough but then you know better and a lot of people don't necessarily take those lessons and even before we started this interview I was like okay when is your hard stop on this book promo because we've all learned like we go hard right Right. especially when we care about something so deeply and so I was like what's the hard stop because so many of us it's like we have to have those checks and balances or else we are going to do it again and again and again
1: Yes, and I think that you know this also because we've both been in this game for a while. And and what's nice when people listen is we operate at at the higher level, you know, so we we are doing that work. And the number one thing that we ask each other whenever we meet someone who is up here is, but how are you really doing? Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like we're not asking. It's funny because people think when they get in the rooms, you know, with with people who are the multi-million dollar hitting all the things, you were t- that we're all sitting there saying like, "So what hashtags yeah. are trending right now?" <laughs> right. You know, like, "So what do you think right now is the number one tool that's going to get you to?" Like, yes, there is an element of that yeah. type of match right, but most of the time it starts with like, "Girl, you okay?" Because yeah. you just came out of the launch. Yeah, Have you taken a break? Yeah. You know, we're we're level set yes. for each other because yeah. we know, you know, yeah. and you're right about the balance. I don't think that there is there are enough people with a large platform that, and it's one of the things I love about you, you know, that talk about, it's a little of column A and a little of column D, you know, in my book, I talk about seasonality, you know, you should be working in seasons. It's not a continuum of the same energy. And eventually as you're working through these seasons, you should be taking time to identify your priorities and then aligning with those priorities. So for me, and this is, you know, I think, can be cringy to some mom's ears, but you know, I I always try to keep it pretty forthright. Yeah. You know, I I'd identified in the past three years, one of my priorities was me. Yeah, And that is crazy because people always say like, oh, it's your family first or, you know, how serious is your business and all that. But you know, none of those things exist if, if I'm not here yes. and we say family all the time, but we talk about family as this unit we serve. We don't include ourselves right. as part of family. And so, you know, I really made myself and my health and my wellness a priority, you know, especially through this book writing process so that I could be here, you know, to serve my purpose. Dude,
0: my book was like the reason why I started my health journey because I didn't have enough energy. Like I was like, I want to get this out into the world and I need energy to do that. And like I need to figure out how to have energy like that. I so relate to that. One thing about your story that I really love and I want to talk a little bit more so I can understand and learn. So both of your parents were immigrants and they were entrepreneurs. And I feel like that isn't super traditional coming from a different country and becoming an entrepreneur. What did they teach you? Were they excited when you made the leap or did they want more of that structured life? Like talk to me a little bit about that background.
1: So, you know, I think what's interesting is whenever i share the story of my parents so many people find alignment right because whether you like have old school parents or southern parents or you're a parent yourself you want the best for your kids you know and i think that we've come into an age of conscious parenting where now we're like but we want them to define what the best is for them and we want them to lean into their gifts you know which is a beautiful thing but that's not how i grew up you know my parents are like my daughter, you are my 401k plan. You know, that was how that worked. You know, we put everything into you, girl, you better output, you know, and that was mixed, you know, like on some level, it made me feel like I was, I had a really rigid, you know, plan for myself because I had this sort of obligation to this label, you know, of being this firstborn caregiver. But I also got to benefit from watching my parents' work ethic. So my dad was an entrepreneur, but in an unconventional way, he was a cab driver, you know, and that meant that he controlled his own schedule. Yeah. That meant that he could, you know, start and stop when he wanted, but he felt like he had the safety and structure of a pre-existing organization, you know, and that was very reflective of who he was. Yeah. He didn't want the anxiety and fear. He didn't trust he could do it himself, but this gave him just enough that he felt good within what he was doing. And then my mom was an entrepreneur in a way that I think is, far more familiar and that I identify with and I talk about in my book a lot that she had the nine to five job as a secretary at a boating insurance company, you know, but she also had little side hustles that she would run, you know, where she was either, you know, helping friends with little things or in one story I tell in my book, you know, we go back to Ghana, West Africa and we're walking through market circle where, you know, there are all these stalls with all these foods and all these vendors and we stop in front of a specific stall and when we get there. I, my mind's blown because she's collecting money from this woman and talking to her about the, you know, how things are set up. And which, you know, as we both know, in from technical Harvard Business School terms, you know, she's talking to her about merchandising. She's, you know, talking to her about overhead and margins and all these things, you know, that are very much official things that she just knew, you know, and that was when I was like, oh, there's something to this, you know, and, She's the one that I really lean on when I think of my first entrepreneurial mentor. Mm, I love that.
0: I know what it's like to feel completely thrown off your game because you're just not motivated or your mind isn't in the right space. That's why I'm thrilled to tell you all about superhuman activations. Now, if meditation isn't for you, you need to try activations instead. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. what does it feel like because one thing i don't think women talk about enough is that you've had so many different identity shifts and i think there's a lot of fear and maybe even stigma around the word identity for women because i feel like a lot maybe it's society patriarchy maybe it's just our own like safety we often want to like cling to one title one easy descriptor of like here's who i am and here's what i do you know we've all learned the elevator pitch talk what has it felt like? Because you have really been through an evolution, not just in business, but in the roles you play in life. What has that felt like as you've shifted identities
1: so much? Sure. So I think that one of the things that has been really beautiful about the entrepreneurial journey, I started off as a blogger, you know, just like we all start somewhere, yeah. right? And, you know, but I was doing that on the side while working corporate. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize maybe about the me's and the you's or you know are that everyone may see and identify us and label us a certain way but our personal goals are in our head you know so when i started blogging i a lot of people are like oh she's aiming to be the best blogger out there you know she wants to be the best hair blogger in the world i wasn't even thinking about that i was following my own journey to learn about what i was doing to you know generate some income because i understand the value of money as a tool but i never at any point was Set on that, you know, and, you know, and I'll say it here now, you know, my goal and everything I do now is obviously to be excellent where I am. It matters to me if I'm going to write a book that it is the best book I could write that is impactful, meaningful, and creates change and contributes to my legacy and the legacy of my children. But I want to be a philanthropist. I want to make enough money in this world that I can solve problems without bureaucracy or paperwork, you know, and that is the ultimate goal. And I don't care how I get there. I can get there by selling apple pies. I can get there by selling books. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I want to be able to ease suffering in this world and not have to worry about, you know, getting permission to do so, you know, and having the resources to do so. And so if that's my end goal, everything I'm doing is aligned with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something I've said for I, I I had a an essay I wrote in 10th grade where I wrote that, you know, I just want to do good in this world, you know. And so when it comes to identity shifts, you know, I think if we're able to figure out and hold to our core who we really are, then as we sort of travel through our purpose, aiming for an eventual destination, you know, our purpose will evolve. You know, it's not finding your purpose. You are in your purpose every day, whether you are serving your kids a sandwich, you know, or serving uh, an audience, a course, you're in your purpose every day, but eventually, hopefully you're at the thing that really makes your heart sing because you feel like this is what it was all worth. Mm, I love that. And I think a lot of people don't have a
0: deep enough why that like keeps them tethered when the path gets windy. Like I feel like that is where so many people get wrong or they have a why that isn't actually in alignment with them. So they reach it and they're like, well, this isn't what I thought it was. So maybe I just got to go harder or do more. And so I love that it's almost like this umbrella of like, this is my why, and like everything can fall under this, but it's all going towards the same spot. I think that's super mm-hmm. powerful.
1: But it doesn't mean we don't drift from it, either. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because you can get like lost in the sauce, yeah. you know? So, like, I first got into entrepreneurship and I was like, this is so dope. I can't believe I can make this money and I'm helping people and it's a win for everyone and it feels so good. And, you know, I could do this forever. You know, I felt the same way in corporate. I was like, I love this company. Like, I love the, my coworkers. I love that. I could do. Do this forever, you know, and you, you start realizing that if there's anything you can do, it's hold on to the fluidity of your identity, you know, allow yourself and divorce was a blessing in that respect, because I was able to decide what do I want to bring with me with intention? And what do I want to leave behind in this next chapter of my life? You know, so you get to do that every single day. And I don't think enough of us enjoy that privilege that we have.
0: Yes, it's like there's so much resistance to the reinvention, but I actually Mm -hmm. think the reinvention is like the gift. I think it's powerful.
1: Yes. I call my book a fresh start manual because it literally is a diary of starting over. Yeah. And starting over has such negative connotations where it's like, oh, you know, your launch was terrible. You got to start over. You know, you left your company, you got to start over. Your marriage and work, you got to start over. You know, and it's like, no, like starting over is the greatest gift because you get to bring all the knowledge you had before and you get to apply it with intentionality for the life you want. And and that's what I get to show people in this book.
0: Let's talk about starting because I feel like there are people listening right now to this podcast who have listened for many episodes and they've never taken action. like They've disqualified themselves from whatever race they want to run before it's even began. Why do you think women are so resistant to even starting or trying?
1: Honestly, I think it's the idea. And I was, just, I was talking about this literally yesterday. Yeah. I think it's this idea that women are best served if they are setting themselves on fire to keep other people warm. You know, so this idea that we ever want to start something that might be aligned with doing for ourselves or around our own intentions, our own goals. It's like, whoa, 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 sister. You know what I mean? Like, but what about doing for your family first? What about doing for your church first? What about doing for your spouse first? Like that's giving selfish energy, sis. You know what I mean? I'm picking up. It's all about me vibes, you know, like, and the thing that's crazy about that is, I cannot imagine a segment of the population that is better equipped to do for others, you know, while doing for themselves. Because if we take good care of ourselves, we literally are the ones that are mothering the people in the world. Like, I mean, there are grown men who are calling their parents, you know, saying, I need advice and the highest echelons of society, you know, like my guy, my fiance called his mother the other day to ask her what permanent press was on the washing machine. You know what I mean? Like, like we're still out here doing good work in all stages. You know what I mean? And so the idea that we are only so good in how we are productive and serve others is so short-sighted because the more that we elevate ourselves as women, the better we can show up in this world, you know, the better the world moves forward. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to see people not start simply because they're saying, well, I'm not allowed. I'm not permitted. It has to, I can't even get paid for this. Like that's bananas. Like sis, get paid, Yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: There's so much to unpack with that too, because I, I feel that like someone recently reached out and I was like, I feel like I'm coming out of the fog. Like my baby's almost two and I am finally feeling, you know, and, and it's wild how we kind of get into these these seasons where you're like, don't even realize like, oh, my gosh. Like I am always needed. I'm always wanted. Yes, i never ever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, it, and it's very similar to what we we're talking about earlier with like the burnout of like sometimes you got to hit that to have the breakthrough, And I think it's so powerful because what you're saying, too, is like we've all heard, you know, the oxygen mask and all those different metaphors of like you've got to fill up your cup. But I also think I heard this quote recently where it was like, instead of thinking, have I worked enough to earn rest? Have I rested enough to do my best work? And Ooh, that's so I good. loved it because I was like, man, how many of us, like every time I sit down, I'm like, oh, there's another load of laundry up. Oh, I got to write another yes. outline. I got to you know, and it's like, wait a minute, though. Have I rested enough to do the best work that I can? And I feel like we're on the cusp of that shift. And I think we're pioneering that in so many ways. But I also think that we're going to see like this new movement of women like coming fully alive without apologizing. And I'm very
1: excited for it. Absolutely. And it it all starts with the root of understanding our sole purpose in this world as women is not productivity for others. You know, like that's just, it's not a race to see what you can create. You know, that's not it. So it's so good. I can just got back from London and I was so jet lagged. Like I was so, so tired and I'm in the week of my book launch, which you know what that's like. It's literally back to back to back everything. And I literally told my assistant, I said, you know, clear my calendar. Like, I need to sleep today. You know, I know that might mean that it's going to be even more packed later. I know that might mean I might miss an opportunity. But what I also know is I am so jet lagged. If I show up today, it's not going to be my best. And I may not make it through. And it matters to me more that I am well. You know, and that was such a, in such a high pressure, important season of my life, that was such an affirmation to my personal worth. And that, no, I am worthy of rest you know, and that like that loving of myself was something that I felt was a great action item to show that I've really learned and I'm applying the things I talk about in this book. You know, it makes my suffering in the past worth it because I'm applying the change.
0: Talk to me about what someone can expect when they pick up your book. Again, it is Nothing is Missing, A Memoir of Living Boldly. What is
1: waiting for them inside of these pages? So it's a riveting story. I mean, the way that people describe it is it's unputdownable, you know, and that they find themselves pausing in moments to cry, to laugh, you know, to take notes in the columns and circle things and highlight. And that's really exciting for me because I think engaging with a memoir on that level is not common. A lot of times it feels like you're just watching a really good movie, you know, and boy, this story is so good, but you can't really put yourself in it or align. And I'm so grateful because... I have lived the type of life where everyone can truly find We always joke that I'm like the United Nations of people, right? Like I, you know, converted from Judaism, well, converted to Judaism, then from Judaism. Then, you know, I've been in an interfaith, interracial marriage. I adopted my girls, but now I want to have biological babies. I grew up super poor, but then I was the 1%. You know, my parents are African immigrants, but I was born in America. I mean, literally, you can find a piece of yourself in this story. And I think that it's so powerful because the way that I like to describe it is you read this story, but it's like sitting down across from one of your best girlfriends who's like, girl, I know you're going through it, but listen, you know, this is what I want you to know, but also know that even if you don't get it all, there's there's grace in the understanding. You'll come back to this book again. You know, you'll come back to it when you have your first baby. You'll come back to it when you launch your first business. You'll come back to it when you send your kid off into the world or come back to it when you get divorced. You know, it becomes a fresh start manual where you're able to say, yes, I can do it because fresh starts are common and I will not absorb the messaging that this is the end for me. You know, it is possible for me to just keep making bold decisions and get to where I want to be. Oh, I'm so excited
0: for everyone to get their hands on this book. Where can everybody connect with you, learn more about you, follow you, get their hands on your book, give us all the
1: places. Oh, you're the best. Uh, You can grab the book at nothingismissingbook.com and anywhere that books are sold. You know, if you just go in there, it'll be there on a shelf. And then uh, you can follow me all around the internet at Nicole Walters. Oh, Nicole, it's about time. And this lived up to everything
0: and more of what I had hoped for. I am so grateful to have had the chance to connect with you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on Gold Digger. Jenna, you're the best. Thanks for having me. It was such a treat to connect with Nicole today. I have watched her journey unfold over the last decade. And it is rare to see someone who is as open as I am about all facets of life. A lot of times we navigate this business world, but we forget about the lives behind the marketing. And I absolutely loved connecting with her and hearing more of her story. As a reminder, her book is out on shelves. You can go grab a copy today. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Of course, until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals.